0: Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 119, and I'm drinking Kentucky Owl, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, Maester Edition. With each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I'm featuring Kentucky Ale on this episode because I had the chance to interview Kentucky Al’s new master blender, Maureen Robinson. Her career prior to Kentucky Owl was spent in the scotch industry, but I spoke with her for an hour or so about the brand, her role as master blender, and what might lie ahead for Kentucky Ale. Before agreeing to feature the brand, I wanted to be sure there was a story here, and indeed Kentucky Ale does have an interesting history. The Maester Edition bottle I'm using for the tasting was the first Kentucky Owl blend Maureen participated in. My thanks therefore go to Maureen Robinson, Master Blender for Kentucky Owl, for taking the time to speak to me via video conference all the way from Scotland, as well as ensuring I had a bottle for the tasting. The bottle I have then is Kentucky Owl, Kentucky Street Bourbon Whiskey, Maester Edition. It is a standard 750 milliliters, It is 50% alcohol by volume, making it 100 proof. Suggested retail price on this is $133.99 US. The bottle is a bespoke mold, very much in a classic whiskey shape. It's tall and cylindrical with a very slightly wider shoulder than base, and the shoulder rounds quickly to a long neck that's slightly bulbous and perfect for carrying with one hand. The closure at the top extends another inch or so above the neck. Labeling is ornate, but not overdone. It's an updated version of the original labels from Pre-Prohibition. The predominant colors on the paper label are a rich blue, a parchment-colored background, and copper foil accents. The primary label also features some embossing for texture. In the blue field, framed by a filigree copper foil border, The front label features an illustration of a great horned owl at the top left, and curving from left up to the right is a hand-lettered looking logotype for Kentucky Owl that features copper foil flourishes. Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey is on the right lower portion. Above the logotype is the text, The Wise Man's Bourbon. Note the circle R on Wise Man. Limited release finishes off the blue area. Outside, this blue-framed area across the top, rendered in a hand-lettered style, again reminiscent of an old-school window sign painter perhaps, is Maester Edition. And then with precision placement, there's a smaller label below the large one, and it reads, Collaboration by Scotch Whiskey Master Blender, Maureen Robinson, John Rhea, Kentucky Owl Bourbon Whiskey Master Blender, Limited Release, blended with the expertise of a Scottish master blender. Bottled by Kentucky Al, LLC, La Louisiana, zip code, proof, and volume information finish this label. The smaller back label is placed between glass embossing that reads, Established 1879 by C.M. Dedman. The back label contains the barcode and government warnings, plus this text below the logo. In celebration of the partnership between two great whiskey nations, Kentucky Owl Master Blender John Rhea has collaborated with Scotch Whiskey Master Blender Maureen Robinson to create this unique Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. This maester edition brings together the deep knowledge, skills, and blending expertise of these two renowned whiskey masters to craft this exceptional and unique limited release. Last thing to note of the bottle before we open it is the neck label. It's in the same style as the others and features an illustration of three barrels on end behind the text, Maester Edition, Limited Release, Maureen Robinson, Scottish Master Blender. The closure is held in place with copper foil. All right, let's go ahead and open this up. It does have a nice zip strip. Get it here. Oh, come on. There we go, see if I can get a nice, okay, foil's off. Okay, yeah, it is a a wood cork with a copper topper. Let's see if we get a nice pop. (laughs) Satisfying. Now we'll go for a pour. As with all spirits on this podcast, I'm tasting it neat, which is room temperature, right out of the bottle, no dilution. I'm using a clean Glencairn glass for this purpose, which is a whiskey nosing glass. It's tulip-shaped, allows you to see the spirit, smell the spirit, and of course, taste the spirit. In the glass, as it appeared in the bottle, it's an amber-orange color. I assume that to be natural from the wood aging on the nose. It smells like whiskey for sure. Here's what the brand says of the nose. On the nose, the blend reveals subtle notes of small grains, notably malted barley with a hint of sweet caramel. The balance of grains with the sweetness of caramel and vanilla pays homage to the art of blending exceptional bourbon seen through the perspective of Scotland's heritage. Let's see if I agree with that. I do get the grain... Definitely can get the grain notes, knowing what the, the grain flavor. You get the corn, I can, I can pick up. For being such a high proof at 50% ABV or 100 proof, there's no real ethanol burn, which is nice. I do get a, a sweetness as well, but in general, it smells like a nice bourbon. So on the palate, here's what the brand says of the palate. There is a warm and spicy sweetness from the rye, which is expected from a great bourbon. Then the gentle flavors of wheat and barley come in, making the taste soothing. As it melts, the liquid reveals hints of orange and grapefruit, finished by mild flavors of caramel and vanilla. All right, let's go for a taste. I get the heat from the ethanol, but the spiciness of the rye for sure. Let's go for another taste. On the second tasting, after my palate has warmed up to the ethanol, I still get the heat of the ethanol, but the spiciness of the rye comes through much more so. The Bourbon does have a very nice sweetness, and I could get some citrus notes on the edges a little bit. The sweetness is surprising, actually. It, there's no sugar in this or anything, but yeah, it's quite nice. Let me, let me go for one more. It is very mellow on the finish. The more you drink and kind of your uh, palate has warmed to it you get into those other layers of flavor. I don't really get much oakiness or, you know, there's some caramel. A spicy hit on the front. Then it does mellow and you do get sweetness. It's almost the opposite of the nose. The nose, you get the the sweetness up front a little bit, Um, but when you taste it, the spiciness comes out first. Now on to the history. Kentucky Owl is a resurrected brand. The date molded into the glass of 1879 is correct, but the brand was dead for 98 years. It was resurrected in 2014 by the great-great-grandson of the founder and has been growing since. But let's start with the brief tale of the original Kentucky Owl before we jump to the more recent past, shall we? Kentucky Owl was founded in 1879 by Charles Mortimer, the C.M., Deadman a pharmacist who located his distillery on the banks of the Kentucky River. His sour mash bourbon apparently did well and was sold using the moniker the Wise Man's Bourbon. Due to prohibition, production was halted in 1916 and the government seized the aging stocks, some 250,000 gallons worth, or around 4,700 barrels, assuming it was aging in a 200-liter barrel. It seems the seizure of whiskey was not experienced only by Kentucky Owl. However, the tale turns to some mystery and intrigue with what happened to all that bourbon. The barrels were shipped upriver for safekeeping, but not long after it was transferred to the state warehouse, the whole structure mysteriously burned to the ground, taking with it the bourbon. Though reports say that oddly for a building filled with that much flammable barrel-proof spirit, the building didn't burn for very long. This led many to speculate that the barrels had been stolen by organized crime and the building burned to cover their tracks. We'll never know the truth, but that's where the historic Kentucky Owl brand story ends. The last footnote is, apparently the brand was never compensated for the confiscated whiskey. Jump ahead now with me to the late aughts. That seems to be when Dixon Deadman, the great-great-grandson of the C.M. Deadman, started tinkering with bourbon blending and resurrecting the family brand. Dixon at the time was working in the family's new business, running the Beaumont Inn in Harrodsburg, Kentucky. The Beaumont Inn became an inn in 1919 when the Goddard family purchased the property that was once a college. It seems the Dixon family married into the Goddard family a few generations back, so the whiskey makers didn't go straight from distilling to innkeeping. Dixon Deadman started with only a few barrels of bourbon he was able to buy and blend and age further in new charred barrels. It's reported that it took him six years to get to Batch One, the first new Kentucky Owl bourbon that was launched in 2014. Batch One yielded about 1,300 bottles in total, and was made with the help of Dixon Deadman's business partners, Mark and Sherry Carter, and reportedly the assistance of Strong Spirits, a company located in Bardstown, Kentucky. Strong Spirits is listed under consulting, bulk spirits, and contract distilling. Due to the expense of the boutique bottling, Batch One debuted at $175 a bottle, but was still well-received and sold out. The brand story, The Heritage Reborn, helped drive demand for Batch 2, then three, four, five, etc. Dixon was noted in the autumn of 2016, around the time of Batch 6, of being bemused and amused at the attention fans paid to the bourbon, and to him in particular. He was quoted as saying, Somehow there are some people who think I'm some whiskey rock star, and they ask me to take pictures with them. The whole time this is going on, I'm saying to Elizabeth, his wife, what the hell? What is wrong with these people? Well, perhaps all the attention was too much for Dixon Deadman because in January of 2017, Kentucky Owl was sold to the Stoly Group of vodka fame. The president of Stoli Group USA said in the press release, Kentucky Owl is a great next step for our portfolio of premium and luxury brands. Bourbons have been experiencing impressive growth recently, and we see a strong opportunity in the super premium subcategory in particular. Stoley was also attracted to the heritage of the brand, and Dixon Dedman stayed on for a time as brand ambassador. With Stoley Group at the helm, they focused on scaling up the Kentucky Owl brand in production and distribution, as well as prestige. The prestige part is best illustrated by the 2018 groundbreaking of a visionary brand home, or distillery complex. Sited on 420 acres, that was the Cedar Creek Quarry, a limestone quarry in the middle of Bardstown, Kentucky. Development of the complex was on hold for a while during the pandemic, but is back on track, I'm told. It was heralded as a Disney World-esque bourbon experience destination with pyramid distillery buildings and artificial lakes in the old limestone pits. There's a stunning architectural rendering video on the Kentucky Owl website as of this recording, and it's worthy of checking out. The link will be in show notes. Dixon Deadman remained master blender for Kentucky Owl for a time after the sale to Stoli, but the role was eventually handed over to John Rhea, the former COO of Four Roses. John was brought on board by Stoli in large part due to his proven ability to scale a brand up. The goal of growth led to the Kentucky Owl team focusing on innovation and expanding bourbon's reach. Because all bottlings of Kentucky Owl were numbered batches, batches number 11 and 12 are available as of this recording with premium prices, they added a non-batched permanent offering in the form of Kentucky Owl Confiscated, an homage to the seized barrels of the Prohibition era. More limited edition releases were also part of the plan, with collaborations with what's been referred to as Other Whiskey Nations, the first of which was Kentucky Al, St. Patrick's Edition, a collaboration between John Rhea and Louis McGuane, the founder of J.J. Corey Irish Whiskey. The idea was to have the two blenders work together to craft a Kentucky Al bourbon in the style of an Irish whiskey. And it worked. <laughs> this then led to a Japanese-style whiskey collaboration for Kentucky Owl Takumi Edition that brought in Yusuke Yahishima. I apologize, I don't speak Japanese, and I'm sure I mispronounce names always. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, master blender for Nagahama Distillery in Japan. Concurrently with the limited releases, Kentucky Owl launched a more moderately priced range of bourbons, christening them the Wise Man Bourbon, a clever pickup from the original slogan on the Kentucky Owl bottles. But now we're to the Maester edition that I've been drinking. This was the third and final international collaboration John Rhea participated in, and his collaborator from the world of Scotch whiskey would become his successor, Maureen Robinson. Maureen's career in the spirits industry, she says, began by accident. She'd studied to be a pharmacist, but pivoted to go into the scotch industry, finding employment in labs for the first nine years of her career, under the employment of Distillers Company Limited, later to become part of Diageo. While developing her nose and palate, she also developed language for use in the lab. She told me that when describing aromas or flavors, you need to have categorization language to use with colleagues. So, for instance, you may be able to describe something as having green notes, and there's an agreement amongst those working on the blend as to what those specific words mean. Maureen moved into blending and became one of the first female master blenders in modern times, earning this prestigious title in 1986. During her career, she worked with Diageo's Scotch Brands, notably Johnny Walker, The Singleton, Buchanan's, Old Parr, and Diageo Special Releases and Casks of Distinction programs, among many others. In 2012, Marine was made a Keeper of the Quake, an exclusive international society to recognize, reward, and celebrate those who have shown outstanding commitment to the Scotch whiskey industry. And then, in 2019, she was inducted into the Scotch Whiskey Hall of Fame, Maureen retired in 2022 after 45 years paving the way for other women in the scotch industry. But Kentucky Owl brought Maureen out of retirement. John Rhea contacted the keepers of the Quick looking for recommendations for Scotch Master Blenders to collaborate with. And just six months into retirement, Maureen said she'd be interested when the organization reached out to her. That led to a video call between John and Maureen, and eventually the collaboration that became Maester Edition. Once the blending was completed, John announced his retirement, and Maureen told me that the next thing she knew, she was asked to a meeting where she was offered the job of Kentucky Owls Master Blender. She accepted, but as this is her post-retirement job, she is working to train up a team and plans to pass the baton to the next generation fairly soon. With regards to the role of Master Blender, what really stuck with me from the conversation I had with Maureen was when she said, Blenders are there to continue the heritage. She definitely has a sense of being a steward of the brand. For permanent releases, such as Confiscated, one needs to achieve consistency to keep it the same and a consistent mash bill is a starting place, but due to the variations in eight and bourbon production, the skill of the master blender is required to achieve this consistency. However, Maureen really does enjoy the diversity of flavor available within whiskey, and she looks forward to helping bring more people to the world of bourbon through her tenure as master blender at Kentucky Owl. So now on to how it's made. Kentucky Owl is not yet distilling their own spirit. They're working on the distillery complex, but it's not complete. So they're sourcing from commercially available stocks. And this is a rather common practice, actually. All of the stock used for the blend does meet the legal requirements to be labeled Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Each one of those words carries legal meaning in the U.S. But to create the unique flavor of the Maester edition, which coincidentally means master in Gaelic, the skill of the blenders was required. Maureen let me know that this blend includes a nine-year-old bourbon and three straight rye and one straight wheat whiskey. The wheat is only four years old and without much oak influence, she says. In crafting the blend, Maureen was aiming for a bourbon along the lines of the lighter style of scotch. She worked with John Rea, the master blender of the brand at the time, to select the spirits to go into the blend from a lot of samples. She told me that John would select some he thought she might like, then have them shipped over to Maureen in Scotland, and she'd make her selections from those, playing around with the component parts. The collaboration took some time, and in blending she told me that you can't always rely on the math, meaning if there's a target flavor or aroma in a younger part, and you reduce the older part to enhance this, it might not work out the way you intended, so you have to really get the balance right. Regarding proof, I asked Maureen how much the ABV of the final blend mattered. As the Maester Edition is the third in a series of collaborations, the Japanese and Irish whiskey having preceded this one, they wanted to keep them all the same proof, to remove that variation when comparing bourbons made in the style of other global whiskies. Now, on to cocktails and consumption. Please enjoy the spirit neat first. Then, if you like, add a bit of water or a cube of ice or two. Treat it as you would any other quality bourbon. Maureen enjoys it with ice and water or just some water. So, in summary, what do I think of Kentucky Owl, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, Maester Edition? I quite enjoy it. I'm not one that really seeks out a lot of bourbon. I have a lot of bourbon, but... As you know, if you're a listener of this podcast, I have diverse tastes and spirits, but this is a very nice one. I'm going to enjoy it. What I liked about producing this episode, and I should say, this episode has been a long time coming. It's currently February 2024. I was first contacted by the brand in November, maybe October of 2023, but scheduling conflicts and and whatnot in life got in the way. Uh, so I've been looking forward to this bottle. This is the first time I've opened it. When I spoke with Maureen, I was doing dry January, so I didn't actually taste the spirit when I was speaking with the Master Blender, but uh, it's all right to be able to wait and savor it. I do enjoy this, this bourbon, and I, I look forward to sharing with a couple of my friends that also enjoy bourbon. Uh, there's a good story. Um, it's really neat that the great-great-grandson of the original founder resurrected the family brand and did it in a way that found great regard. And at first it doesn't seem that Dixon Deadman was really aiming to come out with some huge commercial success. He took six years or so to get the flavor right to his liking. And then it was a small release, probably limited some by resources, and he had a regular job at the time. So it was a little bit of a, a side project. But it's obviously flourished into something quite impressive and, and growing even more so. I know distribution is getting wider, so you're more likely to be able to find Kentucky Al Bourbon in your locations. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on your favorite podcast platform, I'm also on social media, primarily Instagram and Facebook these days. Please leave me your feedback. And if there's a spirit you would like to know more about in the future, please do reach out. And as always, thank you for listening.